0: The Tennis Game Wing Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network is brought to you by Game Time. Sign tickets without the stress. Use promo code SGPN on your first purchase. Save $20. Download the Game Time app and use promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play the Underdog Pick'em in college or NFL. They want 20 times your money in one game. Plus, every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $500. Finally, we're brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis gambling Podcast here on the Sports Cam Podcast Network. It is currently early Sunday afternoon, October 1st, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode. We have six matches to preview, two semifinal matchups in Astana, and four quarterfinal matchups in Beijing. It's what happens when you have a 500 and a 250 at the same time. You don't have the same amount of people in each tournament, so as a result, you are at different stages of the events. So we have six matches to preview instead of the usual four. Either way, it should be fun. We'll get into those six. Before we get into any of the previews, do want to recap what happened last episode, and we're going to also talk about some news that's been circulating over the past couple days. Starting off with the Lock and Dog picks, not good. Simply put, ended up losing both. We had Kishanov minus one-and-a-half games against Musetti as the lock he was covering. After the first set, but unfortunately fell apart in the third set as he lost outright. So I went against my usual fade of guys who are off of very deep tournament runs. And unfortunately, it came back to bite us as Kashanov just did not look as sharp as he did in the previous tournament and route to a loss. And then in the dog portion, ended up losing as well as we ended up having Shang on the money line against Nishioka, and he won the first set, and then he kind of fell apart after that. So he lost the second set, 5-7, and then he had nothing left in the third set as he ended up losing 6-1. So ended up having both guys in the driver's seat entering either the second set or the third set, and our guys fell apart. So unfortunate, we were close, but didn't get there, and as a result, did go 0-2. However, for the actual uh, outright picks for the quarters and for the overall tournament winners. Not bad. Astana wasn't great because Greeks born ended up losing to Korda uh, earlier this morning. But for the sake of the actual predictions, Beijing, we did pretty well so far. Once again, we're not there yet because this is the quarterfinals. But we had Medvedev, we had Zverev, we had Alcaraz and Sinner. So we still have everybody live. For the sake of Beijing, hopefully all four guys I just mentioned win, and that way we'll sweep the board in the quarter section of that tournament. As for Astana, we do have two out of the four. We had Manorino, who we gave out, along with Baez. Baez lost early, but Manorino got it done, so that's a nice plus-money price there. And we also gave out uh, Majedovic, who ended up beating the likes of LaHeshka early Sunday morning, kind of buried him. So two decent plus money plays there. Uh, Korda, I don't believe we had because we ended up picking Greek Sport for the value. We thought Korda might make it, but facing off against Papyrin first, I thought it was a bit too difficult. So ended up kind of focusing more on Sport, which did not work out. And then for Offner, good run by him, beat team in a marathon Sunday morning. Props to the team, though, for winning a marathon against Girone. This is who he is, who won a couple rounds, nothing further. So nice job by Offner. But once again, got two out of four there. And hopefully we get four out of four in Beijing. So overall, the outrights were fine. But the lock and dog picks were not. And hopefully we turn that around in this episode. But for the news, I want to talk about a couple of quotes that were made by the likes of Bergs and Warenka. I know a random pairing, but still bear with me. So Bergs recently tore a ligament. In his left wrist and he made comments about how a lot of players around tour have actually had injuries to their wrists and he thinks it's related to the tennis balls so according to burks he said quote many people are getting wrist injuries which could possibly be prevented by not changing the balls every week and look at the other injuries that we've seen throughout the past a uh, couple of weeks or months siti pass hurt his shoulder earlier this year Korda, you might remember, got injured mid-Australian Open, and he ended up missing about three months of the wrist injury. And according to Korda, he said, quote, I've never had any wrist issues before. Some forehands, but I couldn't even hold my racket. And Medvedev back in February said, quote, we played with the same balls in the Australian Open and I had a terrible feeling with them. I injured my wrist before playing quarter. I thought it was my problem, but I talked to other players and there are more elbow injuries, wrist injuries and shoulder injuries. I think the balls are responsible. Now, at first uh, glance, you might think to yourself, it's a tennis ball. What the hell are they talking about? I could play with Wilson balls. I can play with Penn balls. Who cares? But they're professionals. And I do think, once again, even though it might sound a bit ridiculous since I am not a professional tennis player, there has to be some merit to it. I think there's no way that this many people, and not just random people trying to get their names in some news bulletin stuff, we're talking about Warrenka and Medvedev, people who have won Grand Slams before. Sittipas is a top five player, got injured. Korda has made some comments as well. He's a top 30 player. I do think that there is some merit to what they're saying, And when you actually look at the ATP calendar, there are a lot of different tennis balls being used. Now, I'm not sure how much of a difference it makes when it comes to the weight when you hit it or not. Because once again, I am totally inexperienced to competitive, fully competitive tennis. But still, there has to be some merit to it. And I do think that you might see in the future this get rectified where you're going to see a, I don't want to say unification, but you're going to see less variety. Of tennis balls in events but this many people getting injured and calling out the balls as the corp as the uh, culprit of the situation i do think means that there is some legitimacy to their claims and i wanted to mention it now is there really much that i can add to this topic of conversation no i do hope that the atp mwta don't exactly you know turn a blind eye To the situation they try to actually adjust it but the idea that you do have a lot of different tennis balls each individual tournament is a bit weird i kind of thought they would use more of one brand maybe this is going to set up for a unique ball partnership or sponsorship with the atp and wta tour where one company wilson or penn might just pony up and just pay a bunch of money to be the full ball sponsor of these tournaments, and that'll be the end of this issue. But I do think it's pretty interesting that this many players came forward about different balls every tournament, and it does seem like there is an increase in wrist injuries and maybe shoulder injuries as well. So I wanted to mention it. I thought that was kind of fascinating, but I brought it up because Warrenka basically echoed all of of Berg's claims, and Warrenka was playing. In Astana so I thought it was pretty timely but that was the only piece of news I wanted to mention so that's going to do it for the news portion now as for the actual matches let's get into it so we're going to start off for the sake of this episode in chronological order so we're going to start off with Beijing because Beijing is going to be starting at around 12 30 a.m eastern time while Astana is going to be starting at 5 30 a.m eastern time so starting off with Beijing you have Umber Taking on Medvedev. Nice run by Umber, upsetting Rublev. Kind of a bad choke job by Rublev, but nonetheless, nice win there. And you have Medvedev as a massive favorite here. Medvedev is around minus 500. Umber is around plus 400. As for the spread, Medvedev minus four and a half is minus 125. Umber plus four and a half is plus 105. And as for the over under, you have 20 and a half games. Unders minus 115. Overs minus 105. And if you want to go for. The set wagering here, Medvedev to win in straight sets is around minus 165. Shop around. Umber plus one and a half sets is plus 135. And if you do want the match to go two three sets, you can get that at plus 190. So looking at the actual head-to-head between these two players, you have a pretty surprising result here because Umber is two and zero against Medvedev. They faced off in. Hamburg back in 2020 on clay and Umber did win in straight sets and they faced off in the atp cup maybe a match you remember back in 2022 and it was an absolute war but Umber came back from a set down ended up winning six seven seven five seven six so Umber has had success against medvedev in the past which might tempt you into taking the plus 400 as for the path of both players medvedev's been cruising ended up beating tommy paul six two six one and beat diman hour Seven six six three. As for Humbert, had a three-set marathon against Sonigo, which he won via Bagel in the third set, and then had the comeback win against Rublev down a set and came back and won. So overall, for the sake of this matchup, despite the head-to-head advantage for Humbert, uh, I'm taking Medvedev. I think, once again, he is a better fit for these courts. And I do think that Umber, who can be quite volatile at times with unforced errors, is going to struggle against Medvedev's consistency. I know, once again, that Umber has done well against Medvedev in the past. But I do think, once again, with the court comfortability, Medvedev should win comfortably in this this matchup. And the fact that Umber is off back-to-back three setters, and you're looking at the likes of Medvedev, who's been coasting, I do think he's going to coast once again. Maybe you'll get a tiebreaker, maybe one competitive set, but I do think Medvedev is in very solid form. We saw him make a US Open final, so I do know that he is definitely comfortable at this point in the hard court swing of things. And Umber is good on hard court, but Medvedev's great on hard court. I do think Medvedev will get the job done. So I am going to fade the historical trends One was a clay match, which I'm tossing in the garbage, because we know Medvedev, before this past year, was never good on clay. And the ATP Cup in 2022, I guess it's important, but Medvedev, once again, was up a set in that one, and then it got a little bit dicey there in the second and third sets. But I do think Medvedev, once again, is just a good fit for this overall court in Beijing, and I do think he'll be able to get it done. Medvedev was also up a break in the second set. And he had a bunch of breakpoint chances in that match pulling it up. So he did have a lot of chances to win in straight sets, and he just eventually fell short. I think he gets it done here. Give me Medvedev to win in straight sets. Uh, Moving on to the next match, you have Jari taking on Zverev. Zverev is minus 237, and Jari's plus 197. As for the spread, Zverev minus 3, give or take, but minus 3.5 is plus 115. Uh, Plus 3.5 is minus 135 for Jari. Over-under is 22.5. Over is minus 119. Under is minus 101. If you want Zverev to win by 2.5 games, you can get that at minus 140. Jari plus 2.5 is plus 110. And if you want to go for the straight set angle, Zverev to win in straight sets is plus 105. Jar to win a set is minus 135. Match to go three sets is plus 160. Now, for the actual path of both players, Zverev hasn't exactly had an easy go of it, which is nothing new, because he had a couple of three-setters in the last event he was in, in route to a title. Uh, but going into the actual path here did go to three sets against Schwartzman did go to three sets against Fakina and he did lose the first set in both those matches via tie break. As for Jari, he actually was down triple match point against Arnaldi in the second set, but it was on his serve and he ended up fighting it off in route to a comeback win. But once again, Jari's a bit fortunate to actually be here because he was down three set points, but uh, three uh, match points, I mean, but either way, point is, this match should be fun because Zverev has been winning, but he has not been dominant. And the head-to-head has been close between these players. Zverev did beat him on grass in Hala seven five six three back in june they faced off on clay jari beat him in 2023 in geneva seven six six three faced off on clay before that in 2019 zverev did win that one in straight sets 2019 doesn't mean anything and once again all the other meetings were before that so going through this year they have split one was on grass one was on clay so i don't know if i could actually use any of this information but i do think that jari can keep this close because zverev has been good But he's been vulnerable, especially at the start of matches. So maybe if you want to take a sleeper play here, you can go with Jari first set on the money line. If you do think Zverev once again continues to struggle in the first set of matches. I do think Jari's probably alive to win this match. Is he going to? I don't think so. I think that Zverev is probably going to win in three, if I had to guess. I do think it makes sense that Jari is a minus 135 favorite to win a set compared to Zverev winning in straight sets of plus 105. So I do think when you're looking at the actual script of this match, I think that Jari could win the first set. Zverev comes back and wins, kind of like what we saw in the Fakina match, which I know he had some complaints about for the actual start time and finish time of the match, rightfully so. The match ended at like 3 in the morning, which is kind of crazy. But I do think that Zverev is the better player. He's in good form, but he has not been good at winning easily. And I think that Jari, who's a volatile player, who does have a lot of firepower, has the game to push Zverev around the court, come to the net a bit, volley, which I think he's underrated at. And Jari can put away points early, had a nice win against Tsitsipas earlier in the event. I did mention in the last episode, though, that I was fading Tsitsipas in this tournament because he was off of an injury, which kept him out of the Laver Cup. So I'm not totally shocked that Tsitsipas lost early, but a nice win by Jari dealt with adversity well in the Arnaldi match. And I do think that he can make this match difficult. So I think Zverev's going to win. But I do think that Jari plus three and a half games is worth a look. I think that the over two and a half sets is worth a look at plus 160. And the over 22 and a half games is definitely worth a look. Because I can see a tiebreaker in this match. So I think Jari keeps it close. But I think that Zverev wins it. And that's kind of my thoughts on this match. Now moving on to the next match. You have Alcaraz against Rude. And Alcaraz is a massive favorite. To be honest, I'm really not sure how much time I'm going to spend on this match because I just think that Alcaraz is going to win pretty comfortably. But he's against Rude. And so far, Alcaraz has looked dominant in Beijing, which is what I kind of expected to happen. But Alcaraz has not dropped a set. He's not dropped more than four games in a set. Beat Hoffman 6-4, 6-3. Beat Musetti 6-2, 6-2, Killed Musetti. As for Rude, he had a nice win against Struff in the first round 7-6 6-3 and then had an absolute marathon against Echeverry, where he lost the first set 6-1 and then came out and won the last two sets in competitive fashion 7-5 7-6 and for the sake of the third set he was actually down a break he was down 4-2 got the immediate break back and eventually held on did not face a break uh, did not face a match point in the tiebreaker but he was close to facing a match point. So the point is, Rude got the job done against an inferior, hardcore opponent, and now is against Alcaraz. Not a good combo here. I do think that when you're looking at the expected result, it's Alcaraz to win comfortably, and I really don't disagree. It is a rematch of the U.S. Open final from last year. But I think Alcaraz wins comfortably. I think he probably wins in straight sets. If you want to take Alcaraz in the first set spread, I wouldn't mind it either because Rude has been known, even during the clay season, to kind of sleepwalk through the first set of matches before raising his level. So I do think that Alcaraz can bury Rude in the first set. But I think when you're looking at the expected. Outcome, it's Alcaraz in straight sets at around like minus 180. I don't disagree. I think Alcaraz wins in straight sets. Rude maybe can force a breaker. Maybe he'll go up a break at some point. But I think Alcaraz is just too solid. And I think that Rude is a little bit too vulnerable at this point in the season. And truth is, Rude has really not had a good year. I've mentioned it several times before. Made a French Open final. That's basically it. Hasn't really done anything on hardcore of note. So I think I'm going to go with Alcaraz to win comfortably once again in straight sets. Not much value. value. Not much creativity, but I'm just being realistic. I'm not giving Rude much of a chance to make this match interesting. If you do want to go with the first set angle that I mentioned, you can get the first set under 9.5 at minus 120. First set spread, Alcaraz minus 2.5 is plus 137. I was kind of hoping for 1.5, but either way, I think Alcaraz will be up a break relatively early, and I think he'll win the first set. Probably 6-2 or 6-3, but for this one, give me Alcaraz to comfortably. And moving on to the final matchup, you have Dimitrov against Sinner. is around minus 350. Dimitrov is a plus 275. The over-under is 21.5 games. Over is minus 138, and the under is even money. For the spread, Sinner minus 3.5 is minus 150. Dimitrov plus 3.5 is plus 110. Pretty interesting path for both players so far. Dimitrov had a war in the first round against McDonald, where he was down a set and a break, and he ended up fighting it off. In fact, it was even more dire than that. I'm pretty sure that McDonald was serving it out in the second set and then choked it. So, to go through the actual path here for Dimitrov, I just mentioned a second ago the McDonald match. Pulling up these specifics in the second set, I was right. You saw McDonald, who was serving, uh, who was actually up 4 1, 5 1. In the second set. So Dimitrov was down a set and won five and broke back twice with McDonald having a shot to serve it out. Then you ended up seeing Dimitrov win the breaker. McDonald had nothing left and ended up losing 6 1 in the final set. So that's a massive choke job by McDonald's. You're up a set and 5 1 and you lose the match. That's kind of embarrassing. But Dimitrov had an easier go of it in the second round as Dimitrov was able to win in straight sets ended up beating the likes of Rune pretty easily. Rune's had a very bad past couple of months. They ended up having a win against Felix in the first round, but Rune's definitely an overrated win at this stage in the season because Rune's won basically one match in the last three months. So as for Sinner, he had a pretty weird uh, tournament so far as well because he had a war against Evans, which looked like it was going to be straightforward because Sinner was also up a set in a break early in that uh, second set and then ended up getting broken while he was serving it out for the match. So the exact same thing as McDonald's ended up losing the tiebreaker and then ended up going up a break early in the third set, gave up the break again, and then broke again at 4-3 in route to a 6-3 win in the final set. But Sinner did get injured in that match, and Evans was seen mocking him a couple of times with the limping around. Some people thought it was distasteful. Point is, Sinner was definitely battling some physical stuff, throughout the course of that match, which is why the match got competitive. And then you thought, all right, Sinner's kind of injured. Maybe he's going to struggle moving forward in this event. And then he beat Nishioka 6-2, 6-0. So I guess Sinner's fine. It might have just been a mid-match issue, maybe with his fitness, but he bounced back nicely, losing a total of two games to Nishioka. So for the sake of this matchup, they have faced off against each other a couple times in the head-to-head, and Dimitrov did win the hard court, uh, did, did win, sorry, the clay match in 2020, in Rome, means nothing to me. That went three sets. That was on clay. They faced off earlier this year in Miami, and Sinner did win that one in straight sets, 6-3, 6-4. I do think is going to win. I'm not picking Dimitrov to win this match. It's why we pick Sinner to win the quarter. But I do think Dimitrov can make this interesting, and I do think you might be in line to see some competitive sets. Now, I do think, once again, Sinner's injury against... Evans appeared to be short-lived or maybe circumstantial because he showed no ill effects of that in the next round. Dimitrov had a very good run against Rune, but once again, I have questions about Rune's current form, and the McDonald match was a damn miracle. He was on the verge of losing 6-2, 6-1, and McDonald completely imploded. I think is going to win. If I had to pick a side for the sake of value... I do think Dimitrov can keep this interesting. I'd probably consider a four or four and a half if I could get that with Dimitrov. I can see him losing 6-4, six, 6-4. Four, six, four. I think he can hang around against Sinner if Sinner hits a lot of unforced errors. But I do think eventually Sinner's firepower will force Dimitrov to play off the back foot, which is what Dimitrov does not want to do. is very passive to begin with, which is why he slices a lot of the backhands. And I do think that Sinner is going to happily be the aggressor in a lot of these rallies. Might come to the net more. Maybe you'll see some drop volleys. Sinner's also the better server in this matchup. But Dimitrov, I just think, is too passive on key points, and I think eventually he'll lose, potentially in straight sets. But I do think he can keep this close. I'll link to Dimitrov plus the four, four and a half. But I do think Sinner is going to win this match. Anyway, moving on to Astana, uh, looking at the two semifinal matchups, you have Korda taking on Majedovic. And for this matchup, Korda is a pretty decent favorite, by no surprise. Korda is around minus 220, and Majedovic is plus 190. As for the game spread, Korda minus three is minus 110. Majedovic plus three is minus 110. Majedovic to win a set is minus 140. Korda to win in straight sets is plus 120. Uh, For the over-under, you have 22 and a half, minus 110 on both sides. You can get the match to go three sets at plus 155. Now, Korda we know can be a head case, and he's shown it in the first two rounds because he was up a set, sorry, in two of the first three rounds because in the first round, ended up beating Papyron in three, ended up winning the first set, then lost the second set, and then won the third. Against Borges, he did win the first set, then was down a break in the second, and then ended up coming back, breaking back, and winning 7-4 in the breaker. And then against Greek Spore, He won the first set, lost the second, and won the third. So it does seem like Korda has a bit of a trend in this event. He's good in the first set, then has a lapse in play in the second set, and then raises his level back up in the third set. As for Majedovic, he's been rolling. I mean, there's no way around it. He's been really good. Ever since he lost in qualifying to Gojo in the U.S. Open, which is really not that bad because Gojo made a pretty decent run in three sets there. He has not dropped a match. He ended up winning a tournament in Majorca in the challenger circuit and then parlayed that into success here because Majedovic has not dropped a set. In fact, he's been quite dominant, and I think that his style of play has definitely translated well to the courts in Kazakhstan. So in Majorca, he ended up winning in... Uh, you won all five matches there, including a final in three sets against Mayat. So he's off a title. Then in Astana, beat DeGir in a set and a half because Dejir got injured and retired. Beat Shevchenko, 6 6-4, 6-4. And then buried Laheshka, uh, 6-3, 6-4. For this matchup, I like Majedovic. I think he's pretty live to actually win this. And I do think the safe play here is actually Majedovic to win a set. At minus 140, the fact that Cord is constantly lowering his level in the second level in the second set of matches in this event does give me belief that Majedovic can win a set and he's playing arguably the best tennis of his career. He's been really good. Once again, no shame in losing a qualifying match to Gojo, who kind of came out of nowhere, who proceeded to make a relatively deep run in that event, and he did lose in three but the fact that he's won eight straight matches since then and he's not dropped a set here while Cord has been dropping sets left and right does make me believe that Majedovic is actually quite alive to win this match. I think there's value at plus 190, I'm going to link to the over. I link to the over two and a half sets, but I will go with Majedovic plus one and a half sets at minus 140. I do like his game. He's a good server. He has variety. Korda does stand a bit far back on the court, and Majedovic does sprinkle in a drop shot here and there, and he's pretty good at it. I think Majedovic can win, so I'm going to go with Majedovic to win a set at minus 140. is my favorite play, and all the other picks that I mentioned uh, as uh, other plays that once again you can take if you are tempted as for the last match we're going to talk about you have a matchup between the likes of offner and manorino which might sound underwhelming but once again manorino is a guy who's had a very very good year and he's very difficult to play against because of his unique style It's very difficult to actually prepare for matches against him as for the prices manorino is minus 200 on the money line. Offner is plus 162. As for the spread, Manorino minus 2.5 is minus 138. Offner plus 2.5 is even money. The over-under in games is 22.5. The over and under both minus 120 here. And if you want to go for Manorino to win in straight sets, you can find that at plus 125. The match to go to three sets is a plus 120. So for the sake of this matchup, I think Manorino is going to win. Uh, just simply put, Offner's had a good run here. Ended up beating Bublik, who looks completely ready for the offseason already. Beat Fuxovic in three in the first round, which was a very nice win. Came back from a set down and did have a war against team. Did win that one in three sets. The final two sets were pretty straightforward, but he was down a set. Match did take two hours and 26 minutes. As for Manorino, he did have a an easier match up there. In the last round, as he did win in straight sets, was a bit fortunate to face off against Rodionov, who ended up beating Baez, so he had an easier path, but did win 6-1-7-6. In the fr- second round, beat a relative unknown in three, and in the first round, did beat Rinderknich in straight sets. So for the sake of this matchup, they've never faced off in the head-to-head. I do think is going to win is a pretty good player, but I have seen him struggle at times when it comes to consistency, and I do think Manorino's unique style is going to give him problems. Manorino is very consistent, and he's unorthodox, and it's a very tough player to prepare for once again. I just think is going to get it done. I think that it maybe could go three sets, but I do think is going to win. I really don't have much in terms of bets uh, for this Matchup, But I do think Manorino will win, and I think Manorino will end up playing in the final. I am a bit annoyed at myself for not taking Manorino to actually win the event back in the outright episode, but I mentioned the price disparity between Baez and Manarino when Baez was favored to win the quarter and Manarino had significantly shorter odds to win the event. But I still liked Manorino's chances. I just hated the odds. So I am picking Manorino to once again make a deep run here. And in route, I do think he's going to beat uh, Offner. So I got Manorino winning. I don't have much more to add. But I do think Manorino will be playing for the final. But anyway, that's going to wrap it up for these six matches on Monday. Now it's time to get into the Lock and Dog picks. But for getting into any of that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by GameTime. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sporting events in person. It used to be very annoying to actually do because you had to find a ticket Platform that you could trust. But that changed once I found out about Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all these sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. And they also have some great features on their app, including images of seat views. Maybe in the past, you bought a ticket and you thought you were going to get a great view of the action. And next thing you know, you had an obstruction in your way. And you realize you wasted money because you could not see the action you were paying to see. That's not an issue with the Game Time app because with the images of seat views feature, it'll show you the exact view you will get if you purchase a specific seat so once again you don't have to worry about getting an obstructed view plus game time is the place for last minute ticket deals forget planning months in advance game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price and if you find the tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 of the difference sign tickets without the stress with game time down the game time app create an account Use code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code SGPN for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. And from now until October 4th, Underdog is matching 100% of first deposits up to $500. $100,000 Sundays continue. Underdog Fantasy, total of $2 million in prizes all season long. 100 k in prizes this week. 10 k to 10 people this week. New sweepstakes every week of the NFL season. And you should also watch along make your picks, and maybe make some cash over at Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And when you sign up with promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $500. So Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays player props and game lines research every nfl nba mlb and soccer bet with historical stats and data enter any parlay idea into the hall of fame bets revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg as well as expected probability for the entire parlay sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays down the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back everyone to the tennis gambling podcast just finished previewing these six ATP matches taking place on Monday now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks for the show starting off with the lock I did think about taking Medvedev straight sets but at minus 165 or so bit steep for me decided to not take that as a lock instead I am going to go to Astana I'm going to look at the matchup between Majedovic and Korda I'm going to take Majedovic to win a set at minus 140. And simply put, I think Majedovic is in great form. He's won eight straight matches. He's not dropped the set here. Korda's dropped the set in two of the three matches here. And we have seen consistent dips in his play in the second set. I do think, once again, Korda might win this match, but I think he's on upset alert. But once again, I like Majedovic's form. I think that Korda has been a bit streaky. And I do think after Majedovic coasted to a nice win against Lheshka very comfortably, while Korda had to go to three sets against the likes of Greekspor on Sunday morning, uh, you could argue fatigue might be a factor here for Korda. But I do think looking at this line, it makes sense Majedovic is expected to win a set at minus 140. And I agree with it. So give me that as my lock. And for my dog, I am going to go to the Jari and Zverev match in Beijing. I'm going to go over two and a half sets at plus 160. Simply put, Zverev's been a guy who's won a lot of matches recently, but he has not won comfortably. And I do think he's in a line to potentially lose the first set in this match. Jari, I don't think is going to win because I do think, once again, he's a little bit too volatile for me. But I do think that Zverev will have some ups and downs in this match. Jari has had some success against Zverev in the past, so he's not going to be intimidated. But Zverev in the hardcourt swing, just to go through his last couple of matches, five sets against Sinner, lost in straight sets to Alcaraz. That was the U.S. Open, the back half. Looking at Chengdu, ended up winning the tournament. Three sets against Kotov, three sets against Kekmanovic, ended up beating Dimitrov in straight sets, Beats a Zafun in three. Played a, Then you ended up going into Beijing. Three sets against Schwartzman, three sets against Fakina. So he has been no stranger to marathon matches. In fact, five of his last six singles matches have gone the distance, which makes me believe that, once again, there is some value on the over two and a half sets. And we just saw Jari go three sets against Arnaldi. So it's not like he's won a lot of matches convincingly. I do think that you're looking at what should be a pretty even battle for the most part. I think Zverev wins. But I do think plus 160 for a guy, the favorite, who's gone to three sets in five of the last six matches, has a lot of value on it. And as a result, I'm going to take it. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be Majedovic to win a set at minus 140. And my dog will be Jari and Zverev over Two and a half sets of minus one, at a plus 160. We're back once again for the final in Astana and for the semis in Beijing. Find me on Twitter at Ray Show Radio. Find me on a bunch of shows at the network. Find me on the NFL show, the NBA show, WNBA show. You get the point. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.